Welcome to Interviewing Authors with your host, Tim Knox. Hi, everyone. Welcome in to another edition of Interviewing Authors. My guest this week is an actress, a voiceover artist, and an author. Her name is Gabra Zachman, and she does it all, and she does it all very well. You might have even seen Gabra on television. She's been in Law & Order, Law & Order SVU. Even for a time, she was on a popular soap opera called All My Children, and she's an accomplished Shakespearean actor. And if you haven't seen Gabra's work, you probably heard her voice. She is one of the most popular, hardest-working voiceover artists in the business. She does a lot of audiobooks, and you'll be able to tell that as soon as you hear her. She just has that voice. She is also an accomplished author. She's the author of the Bod Squad series, which are uh, detective books with romance thrown in, or are they romance books with a little mystery thrown in? It's about a white-collar investigation unit, and all of the investigators are quite attractive and not only solve mysteries, but they have romance along the way. I had a great time uh, talking to Gabra on this interview. It was, it's one of those interviews where you almost seem like you're you're chatting with an old friend that you've never even met. And uh, had a great time talking about her books and all of her work. I think you're really going to learn a lot from Gabra, uh, not only from the the authoring side, but the ebook and entertainment side as well. So let's get things started then. Here is my interview with Gabra Zachman, actress, writer, narrator, author, and all-around groovy chick on this edition of Interviewing Authors. Gabra, welcome to the program. Well, hi, Tim. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. I told you on the pre-call that I'm, I get excited when I talk to people that I've seen on TV. <laughs> you know, the, the fanboy in me comes out. Oh, oh, that's so cute. I love it. <laughs> well, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, everything you're into. You are not only an author, but you are an actress. You do uh, voiceovers, audiobooks, all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, before we get started, though, if you will, give the audience a little background on you. Absolutely. Um, well, I started out as an actress. Um, I, I'm right now in three creative careers, uh, which is a massive, massive blessing. It's also like juggling, like I juggle three things uh, all at once. Um, so I started out as an actress and I still do that. Um, I did, I've done a lot of regional theater, and I went to school for Shakespeare, so I do a lot of that. I'm doing a Shakespeare festival right now, actually. Um, and from there, about 10 years ago, I started to do audiobooks. Um, and um, I've had a 10-year-long career in the audiobook industry, which has, has just been fantastic as well. And those two careers have worked very effortlessly in tandem with each other. And then enter into that now a writing career, um, and that started about, I guess, two and a half years ago now, um, and, and maybe we'll go into the, the genesis of that. But, um, but in some ways, that came directly out of, out of a career in audiobook narration. Uh, th that was the bridge for me to go into writing my, my own books. And so right now, um, I'm truly juggling all three at the same time. I'm performing in a Shakespeare festival. I'm recording audiobooks. And I'm doing rewrites right now on book three. So my life is, is pretty interesting and pretty creative. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the, the book series is the Bod Squad series, which we're going to talk about. But yes. before we get to that, let's, let's go in the background a little bit, because I'm always fascinated by, by actresses for the obvious reasons. But you do mm. a lot of Shakespeare. Yes. How, how did that come about? Well, um, 
you know, it really came about because when I was in my 20s and auditioning in New York, I would walk into a room and I'm, I'm tall and I have this voice which you can hear and I have a very angular face. I always say my face looks like it, it should have been stamped on a Roman coin. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of profile. So I would walk into a, a Shakespeare audition and people would be like, ooh, this is going to be good. And then I would do it and I didn't know how to do it, right? I just wasn't great with classical language or text or anything. And people would be really disappointed. And I had several people say to me, you know, you're a classical actress, so you should learn how to do it. Which is really a kind of fascinating thing to, to hear. And so I don't know if it was initially my love or my desire, but you might say that enough people told me that I was something and I finally went to graduate school um, to, to figure out how to do it. And then I've gotten a tremendous amount of work in Shakespeare since. So I guess that was a good idea. I think, I think my audiobook work and all that language work came directly out of that training as well. Well, I think you have to be a, a very special kind of actor or actress to, to do Shakespeare well, because a lot well, of people do it badly, right? Yeah, no, that's quite, that's <laughs> quite true. And I was, I was lucky enough to have um, not only fantastic teachers, but I was in school with amazing actors who already were um, somewhat into their careers, so I learned as much from them, and I've just been, I've been awfully lucky to have gotten work in that field. Well, I told you earlier that we have a, a Shakespeare festival here in Alabama. Yeah, 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 and a great one, too, by well, the way. Well, yeah, hey, Romeo, where are you? You know, is that, uh, <laughs> that's, maybe, maybe you could come down and, you know, yeah. I could do a whole no, thing on that, but I no, won't. No, all joking aside, that's a fantastic Shakespeare festival. It's well, really I just, I've always thought it was kind of odd that it was located in Alabama. Well, those of us who live in New York and work there also think it's odd, <laughs> but nevertheless, it's a great Shakespeare festival, but they're located all over the place. Right. Yeah. Amazing. So doing that kind of acting and that kind of theater, how, how did you take that and, and move it into, into writing? Or maybe before we do that, let's talk about the audiobooks. How sure, did you go sure, from sure. doing the acting into the audiobooks? Absolutely. Well, um, you know, I was catering and waiting tables, as, as lots of actors do, um, all the way through my 20s and, and early 30s. And um, there was, I always remember this as being a pivotal moment that I was wearing a, a catering tuxedo and carrying like a, a garbage bag and some serving ware. And I just stopped in the middle of the room and I had a conversation with God. And I remember it that way, like the room froze. And I just said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. So if I have to go back to school, that's fine. I'll be something different. But if I'm supposed to be an actress, you got to show me a different path. And so soon thereafter, I had this lucky connection to an old friend, um, my friend Jonathan Davis, who's huge in the audiobook world. He and I had done a production of Taming of the Shrew together um, down in Atlanta. <laughs> and uh, and he, he, out of nowhere, thought I had the right voice for this and sort of championed my way into the very beginnings of this. And from there came a whole career. So that's literally how it started. Um, but, uh, you know, from that one place, which is a place that's now closed, I made all of these contacts that took me into a, to a huge career. Um, but I think that my, you know, telling a story right on the stage is one thing and telling a story in front of the mic is another thing. And it took me a really long time to learn that craft. And it is a craft, you know. At first, for me, it was just a, a great thing to do in the background of my acting work. But it became, for me now, 
an equal craft and an equal career. And I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of it, lucky, proud, grateful that I've gotten to be in it. Well, it, it really is a lot like the Shakespeare. There, there are a lot of people who are voicing over audiobooks out there. Most of them are doing a bad job. Uh, you know, no, no offense, but it's just the truth. You know, a lot of the audiobooks you listen to are either the author doing their own read, which is the worst idea in the world. I know, no, I can't, I can't imagine me doing that with one of my books, or, <laughs> or someone. You know, I'm going to go on Fiverr and get myself an audio narrator. So it really is an art, and you're not just reading the book; you are telling the story. That is right. That's I love that you just said that. And you know, I think that that the connection would be that both, really, in all of acting, but let's just use Shakespeare. Both in Shakespeare and in audiobook work, sure, you can just say people are just talented, or some people are better than others. But I would say that there's a real craft in both of those things, and that the people that are best at them have worked so hard at those crafts and have worked for years. You know, they say it takes twenty years to make a Shakespearean actor. I don't know how long it takes to make an audiobook narrator, but it, it's a real craft and takes a really long time to understand what that is and to be rigorous enough to try to, to continue to, to expand your own work, you know? Exactly. Now, are you going to do the own uh, narration for your books? I'm so glad that you asked because um, those, are, those are in process right now, and that actually took a while and a, and a bunch of finagling, but um, uh, Audible.com bought them, and they're one of my big employers in the audiobook field. Um, the books themselves are published by uh, Pocket Books, which is a division of Simon & Schuster. Uh, I've done a bunch of audiobook stuff for them as well. But Audible bought the audiobooks, and then one of their satellite studios, um, Rowan Audio, is um, producing the whole thing. And we asked for this so that Pete and I, Pete who owns the studio, could partner together to do it as a multicast and that I could cast all my friends in the industry to play all the voices. So that's not often done with books. You know, it's actually, I think, much better to have one narrator voicing a book and, and much more um, sort of, there's a greater continuity when you have one narrator, and, and most books, I think, are better served by one narrator. However, the way that I've written these books, there are so many characters, and they are actually written very filmically. You know, they're written, um, you can feel that it's an actor who's written these books, because I think I write them very much like a TV series or a screenplay, which is something my, my wonderful editors have really tried to steer me away from. They've been very rigorous, but... Uh, Nevertheless, they lend themselves to a multicast audiobook. So all my friends in the industry who are big names in the audiobook world are going to be voicing the books, including myself. I did, I've done the narration, and all my friends have done the voices. So really, rather than doing just a dry read, if you will, you're almost producing it like a, an old radio show, maybe. That's exactly right. That's exactly what we wanted to do with it. And again, I don't think all books, I, I don't think very many books lend themselves to that. Most lend themselves to one narrator, but these books are... They're particularly filled with character, lots of vibrant characters, and lots of intercut dialogue, and it lent itself to that format. It's almost like, what, which one is the, uh, the podcast that was so, um, so popular the past year, was put on by NPR or someone, and it basically... You mean Serial? Yes. Serial, to me, when I listen to that, it's, it's yeah. almost like listening to an audiobook. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, I, I listened to Serial. I was like on the edge of my seat listening to that. That was unbelievable. <laughs> What do you think that was so popular? Um, well, I think it was because it was, a number one, the story. It was a mystery, right, which keeps you a little bit on the edge of your seat. But also the, the storytelling, that was a combination of several people. The, the, um, that was like the producers, the editors, the 
all the characters involved. I mean, they did an excellent job of telling a story. And that's really anything. Like, the way the story was carved was was beautifully, beautifully done. And I think there were a whole lot of hands in that, including, you know, the lead woman who's championing it. You know, her investigation was just marvelous to listen to. But it was everyone else as well, the editors and whoever put the story together that really did an excellent, excellent job. Yeah, it was really, really fascinating. But I, I again, to me, it sounded like an old radio serial. I'm, yes. I, I'm a, I'm a yes. fan of those. I'm showing my age here. But uh, I just thought the way that it was done was, was very well done, very entertaining. Well, and isn't that nice when something can take us back to a different time, you know, even in this very deeply modern era, right? It's exactly. Nice. Yeah, if I, if I told my daughter that that sounded like a radio serial, she's like, what? What are you, <laughs> what are you talking? This is, uh, yeah, my, I have this wonderful 19-year-old daughter who is on a full ride to a college, came in the other day, Gabra, and said, hey, I have to send a letter in for my scholarship. How do I address an envelope? Right. Yeah. So right. I if know. I said, hey, does that sound like a radio serial? It would be totally off base. Uh, let's talk about now the writing. Tell us about how did you go from the acting, the audiobooks, and into being a novelist? Well, it, in, in the audiobook world, I, a lot of my experience became doing, um, I'll just say chiclet as like the overall term, meaning that um, I wound up doing a lot of romance and um, and chiclet, female-centered female stories, detective stories, and mystery stories. And um, I did a whole bulk of that. Then I wound up doing a whole bunch of sci-fi as well. But I started out in kind of the chiclet department. Anyways, uh, one of my best friends, the writer Abby Schur, um, was repped by my now agent. And that agent was looking for romance submissions. And my friend Abby knew that I was perhaps interested in writing a romance, having recorded so many of them. I had spoken about it before. So she made the initial connection. And as it happens, I had just moved to Denver. I was living in Denver, Colorado for a couple of years. And I had just moved there, and I didn't know many people. So um, I was newly there. I had kind of brought my audiobook business along with me. I had a couple of connections to local theaters. But for all intents and purposes, I had a lot of free time. And I had the ability to sit in the cafes of Denver, Colorado, and write the romance I wished to write, you know. Um, and, and I made this connection with her agent. And I, I wrote a whole bunch of it, frankly, before she read it. I think I wrote half of, of the first book. And when she read it, she said, this is delightful. I'd love to sign you, which I was very, very shocked about. But and that agent, that agent was our friend Joelle, Joel Borgo? Right. That agent was Joelle, yeah. You're so lucky to have her as your agent. I know. She's, she's fantastic. And she really, I think what I would say beyond how extraordinary she is as an agent, as a person, I would say that um, what I was most impressed by is that she heard my voice and has been a champion of my voice. And that's really rare and, and extraordinary to have someone who says, I hear you, I hear your voice, and I want to champion it, you know? Did the, did the writing come easy to you? Had you been a writer before? No, you know, I've, I've written some stories. I've, I've, um, I've always journaled. I've written some stories. And I, uh, the whole time I was in Colorado, I was keeping a blog. Um, but I, no, it did not, actually. It did not come very easily. I, I recall sitting for hours on end looking at a blank screen and wondering how people write. Um, and I would often be diverted by things, you know, uh, emails and Facebook and, you know, uh, no, it didn't come easy. As I recall, it was it was wildly hard to write that first book 
but something changed and I don't I don't know what I would say changed that with each book it became more enjoyable to me and and I became more facile with it somehow and um I'm not sure how the shift happened only that it it really took some time and I really um as if I didn't already admire writers you know I'm in a position of always admiring them and I have such connections to so many authors through the audiobook narration but then when I sat down and tried to do it I thought how do people do this how do people create from a blank page or how do you how do you discipline yourself to do it how do you when your mind starts wandering how do you you know and then there's like weird times where it's like I'm on an airplane and suddenly I write two chapters why does that happen you know why does it suddenly flow at times and why why not at other times and then finding the places that were that I could write like where where do I write well you know I actually tend to write um, the best around ambient noise. I write best in cafes. I need to have sort of excess noise on the outside of me. I don't, I mean, a lot of writers write best in total silence or by water or whatever. For me, it's like ambient noise is really helpful, really important. There was, there was a show I was doing here um, off-Broadway all the way through the winter, and I wrote the majority of the third book backstage. I had a small role in the beginning and at the end of the show, and I had a chunk in the middle. And it was like hearing the you know, hearing the monitor, hearing the play going on in the background, I wrote much of the third book. Well, they say you can't force the writing. Yes, no, that's right. <laughs> that's right. If, if the muse is not there, you might as well go have a coffee. Did you, coming from your, your audio background, did you start off writing conversations first? Hmm. Um, gosh, no, but I do think it is highly conversational. So I would say that between sort of the audiobook work and me as an actress, it definitely, there's a lot of script in it, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, but no, I think, you know what I did actually is I, um, I thought about the things I loved the most. Um, I wish, you know, I should have called up, I remember my early, like the first sheet that I sent to Joelle, that I know that, um, and this is going to date me too, Tim, um, I know that moonlighting was one of the things I loved, right? that I was remembering the banter between those two investigators, right? Um, and, uh, I, and I remember calling up Taming of the Shrew because I love Kate and Petruchio and how they have that kind of witty banter, right? Um, and and uh, I also was thinking about things like, um, oh, I'm just such a huge fan of James Bond. You know, there's a lot of like this, these are romance spy capers. That's what these are because I'm a, like a great lover of the spy genre. Um, and I think I had just seen, I had just seen one of the James Bonds. I love that. I also brought up, uh, the Thomas Crown Affair, um, another movie that I love. So I was looking at all these movies that had, um, romances in them that were sort of part of the narrative, but that in and of themselves were both the, the man and the woman were very, very powerful, you know, and, um, uh, both kind of on equal footing and maybe there was an antagonism between them. Anyways, th this, this, um, from this came the first book, which is about, uh, really two undercover agents investigating each other, right? Um, let's talk, let's talk about that first book. What's the name? Uh, so the first book of the Bod Squad series is called Game On. And Game On focuses on a small group of um, private investigators, a, a small undercover agency. The lead of it is a woman named Susanna 
Carter, who goes by the nickname Legs, because she's got really long legs. A bunch of them have nicknames. And uh, it starts off with them investigating um, a white-collar criminal named Charles Oakley Palmer III, very wealthy, debonair, white-collar criminal. I was also interested in the TV show White Collar. I love that show. Um, And so it it starts there. It starts with with what seems to be a simple investigation from a a white-collar investigations firm. And then, of course, it goes a little deep, you know, goes a little deeper. Our, our lead heroine gets quite interested in this guy. He gets quite interested in her. And then there, there's a, a cat and mouse chase that begins in New York. It starts in New York City. And then it winds up really all over the world. And that's where it begins. And all the books kind of take on from there. The Bod Squad. I love the title. <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes from... Um, at the very end of book one, uh, the character of Jackson, who's a lead in book two. So each of the books focuses on sort of a different romance. It's all the same group of people. It's the same story, but it focuses on a, on a different romance going on. Now, when, when you started, did you know this was going to be a series? No, 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 not at all. Um, no, it was when I finished the first book that Joelle, who again has been really a champion of mine, she said she wanted to pitch it, and I began thinking about what I wanted. And immediately what I wanted is I wanted every member of this squad, every member of the Bod Squad, to have a romance. So she sort of taught me how to write a pitch, and I pitched it actually as a four-book series. Um, and then it was purchased as a three-book series. So then you had to write a series. Was, was that really daunting for you? Yes, it was, it was actually really horrible. I mean, it was like the best news ever. You know, we, we shopped it around a bit. And, um, you know, Simon & Schuster is one of my favorite publishers. So when Pocket Books, their, their ebook division, purchased it, I was, I was thrilled. I was over the moon. And I remember I was so thrilled about it. I was honored. I was thrilled. And this all happened like a week after my 40th birthday. So I was like, wow, what a, what a great 40th birthday gift. And I was, at the time, I was doing a play also. I was doing a play at uh, the uh, uh, Jiva Theater in Rochester, um, a play uh, by my friend John Cariani called Last Gas. Fantastic, fantastic play. So I was doing this play, and I was surrounded by these extraordinary people, and I was so excited about it. And then I remember one day, like, I had gotten the news, and we celebrated all day, and I did the show, and I was like, oh, life is amazing. And then I sat down and thought about it, and I thought, oh, no. Now I have to do it. Like, this is horrible. I'm terrified. I'm absolutely terrified. I don't know if I can do yeah. it. My, my mother has a saying, be careful what you wish for, because you just, you just might get it. <laughs> and it's, it's yes, a I lot do. like, you know, dogs chasing cars. What are they going to do with that car when they catch it? <laughs> that right? That's right. I, also, I always cite that moment at the end of The Graduate. I love that moment in the bus at the end uh-huh. of The Graduate where they're sitting together and they're like, now what? Yeah, so, and they just have those smiles on their faces, though. Those, those wonderful, terrified smiles. That's right. The whole movie has led up to, and now what? Yeah. So how, how long have you been working on the series? You're what, three? Are you on the third book? Is it out already? I'm on the third book. The second book just came out a couple days ago. Um, the third book, I'm in the midst of rewrites. Tell us about the second book. Sure. So the, the, the second book is called All In. And, um, and this focuses on uh, the romance between Jackson and Lisa B. Um, they're both members of this 
initial um, uh, detective agency that becomes the Bod Squad. Uh, so Jackson is kind of a cool hipster type. Um, he, um, he was raised partly in Morocco uh, and wound up living in Baltimore. And Lisa B is, um, is from New Orleans. So she's often referenced as being, you know, as sort of, she has a Southern twang and she's from the South and she's an unusual, cute little redhead. Um, but of course, then I wound up meeting someone from New Orleans who corrected a lot of the stereotypes I had about New Orleans. But unfortunately, not a lot of that is in these books. But there's an occasional <laughs> moment where she says something like, New Orleans is not the South, not really. Or like, you know, there's lots of like stuff that a native New Orleanian um, uh, said to me that I tried to put in that book. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so our, our journey continues. You know, what started out with um, Susanna and Chaz became becomes this international hunt for a worldwide mass terrorist and so we continue that search um this this book takes place in um morocco mostly in morocco and some in um south africa as well and this is like a continued hunt for um for this mass terrorist but now it's now the focus is on the romance between jackson and lisa b Right. Your, your books are a mix of intrigue and romance. Do you, do you like writing one aspect more than the others? Might you branch off and just do romance? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a really good question. You know, I did, to be honest, I didn't think that these books would be received very well because they're, they're squarely in, the, I say they're squarely in three genres, right? They're in the romance genre, they're in the spy genre, but they're also in the humor genre. There's a lot of humor in them. So it's almost as if someone was like, yeah, write a, write a funny spy romance. <laughs> you know, it's, not, it's a little bit of a weird idea, but I, I did not think they would be well received, but they have been very, very well received. I think people just say they're, they're deeply, they're, they're sexy and they're deeply entertaining. And that's really what I wanted to write. But to your, to your question, would I branch off into one or the other? Um, it probably, it probably would be smart, I guess, in terms of, in terms of sales, in terms of um, readership, but I don't know. I'm, I'm a, you know, I would say that in everything I do, I'm hard to put in a box, and so this just follows me so so truthfully that that if someone said, Gabra, you could go in box A, box B, or box C, I would find a way of being a part of all of them. I would have a foot in all of them, and that's what this was. You, you would just take the boxes and make something entirely different. That's right. I would take the boxes and make a fantastic dress out of them. <laughs> so how has your life changed now that you are, are an author? You're still acting. You're still doing the audio work, everything else. Uh, yep. But you've got to write these books. How, how are you managing your time now? Well, that's a great question. I, I sort of woke up this morning and I thought, how am I managing my time now? <laughs> <laughs> I just I love your honesty. <laughs> Well, I've got to say that, um, you know, the greater, the greater part, and it's, it's uh, I always think honesty is much more interesting than anything else, but the real reason why these books came about is because when I, when I moved to Denver, Colorado, I was really searching for romance, a romance of my own. So I love to say that I, I am quite positive that um, God has a hearing problem 
because when I said I'm looking to find romance, I think God heard I'm looking to write romance. <laughs> um, anyway, all that to the point of not having a husband or children is how I manage my time. You know, I mean, if I, if I, that's very much what I want in my life is, is family. Um, and I'm sure that that, like everything else that surrounds me, will come about in the strangest and most impossible of ways. You know, whichever is the door that everyone says that's not going to come through that door, that's how it'll come through it for me. So of that, I know that's, that's for sure true. But honestly, that's how I manage my time. I mean, it's, it's, um, I have a vast community of friends and family, but in my own home, you know, I'm in this beautiful one bedroom apartment in Queens that I'm just in love with. And I'm traveling right now back and forth between that and the Hudson Valley where I'm performing. Like, so, so today I'll give you an example. Today um, I'm recording um, a short story for an audiobook. Um, uh, it's a collection of stories and I'm recording a story today and um, then I'll probably do a bit of writing later on because I've got to get these rewrites done and it's a day off for me and then tomorrow and the next day I'll be performing up in the Hudson Valley, right? So it's, it's juggling time that way. Uh, I think it only works because it's just me and my life at the moment. Right. I'm not so sure God has a hearing problem so much as just a really sick sense of humor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, if, he he heard you. Yes, He's just yes, not you know no, giving you what you want. Especially around me because I have a pretty <laughs> sense of humor. So I think I think God's like, oh, I'd I'd like to banter with this lady. So <laughs> God and I have been bantering for many years now, and uh, we're having some fascinating conversations. That's hilarious. Well, maybe you should document those in a book. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> no, I think I should. I actually think I should document this whole journey. I mean, even I'm sure just talking to me. You're probably thinking, my God, what does the inside of that life look like, right? That it involves all of these kind of cross-country journeys, that it involves acting and recording, that it involves writing, writing of these crazy wild stories that roam all over the earth. Um, what would the inside of that life look like? And I've often thought maybe that's the real story. You but, know, maybe but it that's sounds like, yeah, it sounds like you're having a great time doing it, though. Yes, well, I, I, I try. <laughs> say, I'm like, well... It's not the dance that I imagined, but I guess I better enjoy it because it's the one I got. You know, I'm like, it's like the strangest polka of all times, but I'm, I am trying to really enjoy it because I'm like, you know, I, I don't quite know that I signed up for this, but I guess it signed up for me. I mean, I, you know, as long as, as, long as we're dancing, I'd I, I better kick up my heels, right? Well, maybe, you know, maybe uh, Shakespeare is up there going, okay, God, let's make her do this. <laughs> You never know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know who all is talking up there, but they are having a fun time. And they are definitely, they're, they're like drinking scotch and playing poker and, <laughs> and, and just looking down at me and having a good old laugh. That's hilarious. Yeah, there is a book in there somewhere. So uh, tell me about the third book in the series. When is it uh, coming out? Yes, and so the third, the third book in the series comes out in November. Um, and I don't want to tell you who the romance is between because that's revealed in the first couple of books. But, but I will say that, um, I will say that the third book, the romance is a little bit more, I think the third book feels just a little more James Bond to me that those characters feel a little bit more, um, sort of squarely out of this sort of spy intrigue department. Um, and that, that it's, we sort of lead, the whole thing comes full circle back to New York. Um, un, unsurprisingly, comma surprisingly, uh, it all winds up in Queens where I live. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> yes, very, con very convenient. Um, I love that at times, you know, I'll be like walking to the subway and I'm casing out locations. You know, I'm kind of like, yes, that's where he grew up. And like, yes, 
that's where this happens. And anyway, um, but, uh, but the whole thing comes full circle um, uh, back to New York in this third book, though, of course, it also travels all over the world first. Um, but I think uh, I made sure it ended um, because it's a three book series, but I also made sure it was left open ended. I wanted it to end the series, but I wanted it to be left open in case we wanted to write more. I didn't want to make some kind of absolute finish to the end. So it's like a, uh, an open-ended ending. Gotcha. Let's talk a little bit about the business side of, of this, because uh, as, as you well know, when you are uh, an author, whether you're self-published or traditionally published, you, it's a very much uh, entrepreneurial enterprise now. Yes, it you're, is. You're writing, and you know this is your product that you've got to get out there and sell to your customer. Uh, on the marketing side, how much time do you spend marketing? Do you do a lot of uh, social media? How do, you, how do you manage the marketing side of your business? Yeah, I'm so glad you're asking that question because that's that's something that I've had to really figure out. And um, Joelle, again, my agent, has been really, really helpful in that. Um, I want to give a, a quick shout out to my editors as well at um, Pocket Books, um, Abby Zeidel and Marla Daniels, who have been so extraordinary in terms of championing me both as a writer and also uh, trying to get my work out there. So, um, so how do I do it? Well. I do. I did join um, Twitter last year, and um, and I do have a, over fifteen hundred followers, which I think is pretty good for a year. And um, and I I started a Facebook page. You know, I have a bunch of friends on there and whatnot. And so through those two things, I'm on them every day. You know, trying to get the word out. And um, I've also done a bunch of interviews. Again, my editors um, through Pocket Star have set me up with a bunch of. Uh, interviews um, in um, a lot of online stuff. A lot of I, I found that the um, the online bloggers, particularly in the romance world, the romance bloggers are such uh, extraordinary people. They're they're mostly women, but extraordinarily supportive, um, helpful. A, a lot of I think the word about my books has gotten out through them. Um, and because even with a new writer and a first-time writer, they've been so generous in terms of reviewing and posting information. So I feel like that's a bit of how I've gone about this. But I'm, I have to do more and I have to figure that out. And that's a whole element that I've just not been in contact with before. You know, this, this first book came out in April. So I kind of started <clears throat> preparations about a year ago. But I don't think I realized how vast the entrepreneurial side of this was until recently. I also had, I had a release party for my first book and I've tried a lot. I have so many connections in the acting world that I'm trying to spread through word of mouth as well. Um, but yeah, it's a tricky one, Tim. I don't, I, I mean, it's a, again, something else that I look at writers and admire. I didn't quite realize the extent to which one has to be one's own representative salesperson um, champion, really. Yeah, I mean, there there are so many aspects of it, and it really is a a business. I've had so many authors tell me, especially uh, on the self publishing side, where you basically have to do everything yourself, that they they're a little disappointed because they're only able to write. 10% of their time and the rest of the time they're doing the marketing and trying to sell the books. But that's, that's just the nature of the beast as it sits today. I know. No, that makes so much sense to me. You know, one of my real hopes is that through the, the production of the audio books that the books might get um, a lot of press, you know, um, because I think that that's oftentimes 
we're now in that kind of world where sometimes if an, an audiobook is picked up or listened to a lot, then the books wind up getting a bit more focus. So I was hoping that that might be another avenue for it. But I'm really glad you asked the question. It's on my mind, too. You know, how does, how does one network and market oneself? How does one get, get their product out? Um, it's been a great journey for me thus far. I've really, um, my, my hat is off to the people who do this. Are you kidding me? I mean, I just, <laughs> I had no idea previously. Well, the one thing that you have to have, of course, is a great product, which you have. So uh, after the, the series, the uh, Bod Squad series ends, what's next for you? All right. That's a great, it's a great question. What is next? Well, um, I know I've got some shows coming up that I'm going to be doing. So I know that like in the, in the theater world and in the audiobook world, I know that um, those, those are, are sort of the gifts that keep on giving. Um, I get really lucky and I get work in, in those fields. Now, in terms of writing, I'm not quite sure. I, I'm a little bit um, sort of interesting and waiting to hear, does, it, does the BOD squad end here or does the BOD squad continue? I'm not sure. And then I have a whole bunch of stories I've written, um, a whole bunch of essays I've written that I've always wanted to put into a book of stories. You know, I've always wanted to publish. And these, these are, are stories about me. These are nonfiction stories, personal stories um, that would be very much like this conversation. You know, stories about these, these past few years and, and all of these kind of amazing experiences I've had that I always wanted to put. I wanted to write a, write a book of um, sort of these searching for love stories called Love in Transit. So maybe that comes next. Um, and I have an idea for a sci-fi because I'm a like, sort of closet, passionate lover of sci-fi. And I so, yes, I am. And you know, I always, what I always say about sci-fi when people ask me about it is that I think sci-fi and Shakespeare are incredibly close together because they both you know, have like ex exceptional language, unusual characters, the coining of new worlds, the coining of new words. You know, um, they're actually strangely, um, similar <laughs> fields in some way. Um, and, uh, and so I have an idea for that in my head that um, I'm sort of gonna wait to hear about whether or not we think the BOD squad is going further. And if not, then this might get written. Well, you know, what you might do is take some classic Shakespeare and, and turn it into a sci-fi. That's great. I, I, had a, I had a great interview yesterday with uh, Marissa Meyer who does, she takes like Cinderella, Rapunzel, Little Red Riding Hood, and yep. creates these wonderful dystopian, uh, like her Cinderella is part cyborg, part lunar. Oh, that's awesome! Oh, just yeah. Go search on Marissa Meyer. She is amazing. Yes, no, I will. She sounds like like someone who I'd love to follow. I'm gonna go hunt her down. Maybe a nice uh, Shakespeare zombie book. There you go. That's <laughs> that's what's hot right now. <laughs> right. You never know. You never know. Maybe all, maybe it'll all it'll all be combined into one thing. There you go. I'm not well, really sure. Well, you know, the, the nice thing is you, you have the talent and you have the creativity to kind of go everywhere. And, and I know a lot of people will take a series like you've written and then break those characters out into completely yeah. different stories. So I think you have a, a tremendous amount to work with. I'm not too worried about you. Oh, thank you. That's so <laughs> sweet. Well, I was hoping my, my, um, my agent did say something to me. She has a connection in the TV world, and they, these are written very filmically. So... I would love it if these wound up going also in that direction, if they wound up being. And which character would you play? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I don't know. You know, that's, that's the thing also is that, like, oh, I don't know how to say this, but, but I have to say it. No one's going to read a romance with too many characters 
in their 40s, although I would like to write a romance with all characters in their 40s, but you know what I mean? So I had to be really, I had to really spread the ages out. Like for romance for the most part is written about people in their 20s and 30s. So you'll see, should you, should you get around to reading these or, or should you get to watch them on the, on the screen at some point if they ever go in that direction, that, um, that because it's a, um, you know, it centers around an agency, I was able to write people of all ages. So a bunch of the characters are in their late 20s, early 30s, but then a bunch of them, and they do have romances, are in their 40s, because it was a huge big deal for me to make sure that some characters in their 40s had romances. <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of writers will tell you that your characters in the book don't necessarily uh, become the characters on the screen. Yes, I, mean, I know that's true. Well, well yes, to your, to your point. <laughs> I think if this was to be made, certainly if something called the Bod Squad was actually to be made into like a TV series, mm -hmm. they would probably all be in their twenties. Uh, I would think so. So I, would, I, might, I, think I so. might play like there's a there's one um, you know sharp female FBI you know the, the head of an FBI um, a department um, who's um, you know I don't know so let's say she's in her forties so maybe I'd play her Tim. <laughs> And you do a wonderful job. <laughs> uh, Gabra Zachman, the uh, author of the Bod Squad series, one of my favorite TV actresses. You play one hell of a serious lawyer. Oh, thank you. That's if, awesome. If thank I ever get in trouble, I'm calling you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. You can, you can find out more about me on my website, which is my name, GabraZachman.com. You can also get there by going to AudiobookGoddess.com. Um, my book is the, um, the series is the Bod Squad series, uh, Game On, All In, and Double Down. And those are sold by a huge variety of retailers. If you go to Simon & Schuster, you can look me up under their author page. You can look me up under an author page on Amazon.com. And the books are sold by Simon & Schuster, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, um, iBooks. It's a whole huge bunch of retailers. You know, you've inspired me. I'm going to write a series called The Old Bods. <laughs> Uh, about like don't you think Tim I mean, I, you know I think a, a, a detective agency about you know a bunch of 50-ish white guys I think there's <laughs> there's got to be a hook in there somewhere Gabra this has been fun will you uh, will you come back and talk to us again sometime oh, that would be such a pleasure I loved this thank you thanks talk to you soon you too thank you Thanks for listening to the Interviewing Authors program. To listen to even more great interviews and learn even more from other successful authors, visit our website at interviewingauthors.com. Also, don't forget to connect with Interviewing Authors on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to take part in your very own interview and have me as your very own personal interview coach, check out yourbookinterview.com for a very special offer available only to listeners of this program. Again, that's yourbookinterview.com. My name is Tim Knox, and I'll see you next time.